2823, Minnesota, United States versus Kelvin Baez. Mr. Zayed, can you turn your camera on? There you go. Can you hear me? I can. And Mr. Cheever? Yes, I hope you can hear me as well. Yes, we can. All right. Mr. Zayed, would you please proceed? Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court, counsel, Mr. Cheever. Good morning, Your Honors. R.J. Zayed on behalf of Kelvin Baez. With me is Caitlin Hall, who assisted me in the brief and tried the case with me. There's three issues that I'd like to highlight for the court in our discussion today. Uh, the first issue is that there was no probable cause for the arrest at the hotel room. And then as a result of the no probable cause for the arrest, the statement that was given at the police station less than 25 hours later while he was in isolation uh, is the fruit of the poisonous tree. And then I also want to discuss the fact that the search of the safe in the Equinox and the use it was a locked safe and the use of the papers and effects that belonged to Mr. Bias against him violated his Fourth Amendment rights to be secure in those papers and effects because the search warrant that was used did not have probable cause as to him. And therefore, it was a unlawful search and seizure. With respect to the first point, Your Honors, the key for your analysis and consideration is the facts of that hotel room. In that hotel room, the front room is kind of like a living room. There's a couch, there's a chair, there's a coffee table, there's an end table, there's a sink in the back, and there's a, another sink area, like a water bar there. Then there is a long hall. And then you go down this hall, and at the end of the hall, it opens up into the bedroom. When you open the door of the embassy suite, you look down the hall, you see at the foot of the bed. When you get to the bedroom, the foot of the bed, it's a king-size bed. The head goes to your left. And if you look to your left of the bed, there's two end tables. A critical component is that at the end table in the bedroom, in the far corner, was a cell phone that was acting as a surveillance camera that was on live, that was videotaping everything that was going on in that room and feeding it outside the room. On the other side of the bed was an armoire. This armoire was, had cables, and it was wrapped up in cables, and it was padlocked and chained. All the evidence that the government seized, in this case that the police officers, was found in that back bedroom. Because when you walk in, into the bedroom, you have the bed in front of you, you turn left, you see the head of the bed, next to the head of the bed is a garbage can. Counsel, that's not that's not true with respect to the probable cause to arrest. Well, what about what was on the on the table in plain view next to where your client was sitting in the in the common area? That was a bubble pipe, which the officer testified as to that bubble pipe. That was not an arrestable offense. That was a misdemeanor. That's on the record, a citation on the record that he could not arrest him for that bubble pipe. That's that doesn't mean it. That doesn't mean it was irrelevant as the probable cause. No, but there was no reason that he could arrest them based on that bubble pipe. The, the, the point that I'm trying to get at is, Your Honor, everything incriminating is in, in the back room. If you look in the garbage can in the back room, that's where you have the, uh, the, the empty plastic. Furthermore, Your Honor, next in the back room where the head of the bed is, there is a sink. 
in the back room. The police officer, there's a panel under the sink. It doesn't open up like a cabinet. He had to remove that panel, physically remove that panel. Once he removed that panel, there he found a pillowcase. In that pillowcase, he found about 10 pounds of meth wrapped up in blue plastic packaging, similar to what was in the garbage can. Everything was found in the back room. And my argument is simply this, that the fact that Mr. Baez was present in the front room next to a bubble pipe that didn't have, that had residue in it, does not justify a warrantless arrest. Didn't your client also respond to a question from one of the officers about where would I find the drugs? And he said, in the armoire? Yes, Your Honor. The question was when the officer had already done the search, looked and saw that the armoire had cable, a bicycle lock, cable, padlock. The officer said, if there are drugs here, where are they? Mr. Baez responded sarcastically, in the armoire, obviously. That was a statement. Okay, so anybody walking in there would say, hmm, where would drugs be? Well, that armoire over there is chained and padlocked. The point I want to make is that the court relied on common enterprise interest with respect to this. It cited the Supreme Court case in Maryland versus Pringle and a few others that says, if you have three individuals in a car and there's drugs in the council, well, you can infer a common enterprise. You cannot infer a common enterprise here because of the surveillance camera that was live streaming elsewhere in a padlocked armoire. Counsel, what about the, this is Judge Smith, what about the contents of the backpack that included, I believe, some ammunition? Yes, Your Honor. First of all, Mr. Baez was sitting on the couch. He did not consent to any search. His wife, Zyra Gavino, she said, yes, go ahead, search. It was her backpack. That's undisputed. It was her backpack. When they opened her backpack, what did they find? They found an Equinox manual. Importantly, they found a speeding ticket for the license plate of that Equinox in her name. They also found four bullets that were like in a plastic baggie, and they also found some men's clothing. But there was nothing in there other than men's clothing that suggested that maybe Mr. Baez had something to do with the backpack. That backpack was not his. It was hers. Counsel, let me jump to what it seems to me is the bottom line here, and that is that your argument in the main brief completely ignored the independent source doctrine, and in your reply brief, you assert that that independent source doctrine would not attribute hotel room evidence to Mr. Baez with no relevant site. So what's your authority for that assertion that the independent source doctrine doesn't fall on whoever it's incriminating? The independent source doctrine does not apply. We did raise it. When we appealed, we appealed orders number 160. I asked you for authority. You just reasserted what's in your reply brief without authority, so I asked you for your authority. Here's the authority. It violates the Fourth Amendment, Your Honor. It's an unreasonable search and seizure. Come on. Come on. I asked you for what's your best case for that assertion. My best cases are contained in the trunk of a car. 
that is not accessible to the passenger of the car. That's my best case, number one. Number two, the search warrant lacked probable cause as to Mr. Baez. The only, in, what, the doc, what the court said about the independent source has to do with the search warrant. I specifically raised the issue of suppression of that search warrant. It was uh, document 53. The court denied suppression of search warrant. I argued it lacked probable cause because it violated the Fourth Amendment. I specifically raised the independent source document saying that was an illegal search. And then there is no doubt that the safe belonged to Bias. There was no doubt that it was locked. There was no doubt that they opened it. There was no doubt that they used the papers and effects found in them and used them against him, even though the search warrant totally lacked probable cause. So that's one argument. The second argument is the back room was no different than a locked car because the back room had surveillance and video. He didn't have dominion or control or possession of the back room. So therefore, he did that, you know, the back room, he, the fact that they found things under the sink behind a panel and he has no dominion, control or possession interest on it and he has no common enterprise interest, that cannot be used against him. With respect to the independent source, the search warrant lacked probable cause as to Mr. Bias. The only way he's connected to this drug trafficking enterprise is in the stuff that they found in the safe in Equinox, which was pursuant to a search warrant that was absolutely devoid as to probable cause with respect to Mr. Bias. And what, what, Mr. what, I'm sorry, Chief. I was just going to ask, wouldn't he have access to the items in the bathroom? He, the testimony was that he'd been staying there for a couple of days. It wouldn't seem rational that he would have uh, a, a bed in, in the living room on the couch, but not have access to the bathroom. The reason for that, Your Honor, is because of the surveillance camera that was doing a live feed from the corner. Well, the surveillance camera is not going to keep the natural body from natural bodily functions from requiring yeah, but, to be satisfied. But, but Your Honor, the bathroom was not in the bedroom. The bathroom was in the hall leading to the bathroom. The bedroom. There was absolutely no reason whatsoever for him to go into the bedroom. The bathroom is right outside the living room on the right-hand side. In the bedroom, there's a sink in the bedroom. He did not have to go into the bedroom. And in fact, the government found nothing with his name on it in the back bedroom. And when they opened up the uh, armoire with the uh, search warrant, nothing in the armoire belonged to Mr. Baez. And Mr. Baez was acquitted of everything in that, that found in that house under the sink in the armoire as well. So with that, unless your honors have further questions, I reserve I do, my time. Mr. Diane, you keep asserting that the search warrant had to have probable cause with respect to Mr. Baez. What case says that? Because as I understand it, a search warrant issues based on probable cause that contraband or evidence of a crime can be found in a particular location. So what case stands for the proposition that there has to be probable cause as to a particular person? The cases that I would rely upon, Your Honor, I, I uh, to answer your question, Your Honor, I have not found any cases on that point. I'm relying on the Fourth Amendment itself that indicates that a person is, uh, is to be secure in its papers and effects from unlawful searches and seizures. The Fourth Amendment was drafted because of the all writs cases that were happening in England where you had the general warrants. And the founders said general warrants don't count. And there was a series of cases where the uh, British would go in, I have a general warrant, let me look around to see where I can find a crime. And so they particularized it. 
the Fourth Amendment requires a particular showing that you, in order for them to trespass onto your own property uh, to, uh, and your own papers and effects, in order for them to use that against, they have to find, have something that you are involved in criminality. Without that, it's a general warrant. I'm really, I'm going back to the Fourth Amendment and the plain meaning of the Fourth Amendment, Your Honor. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, Mr. Zayed. Mr. Cheever? Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court? I'm Mike Cheever. I represent the government in this case. I also Mr. handle... Mr. Cheever, is your, is your camera on? It is. I see myself. Okay. I don't, I don't see him. I, I can see him. Well, proceed. I can hear you well. Certainly. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, I want to address the innocent intent defense just because I know it wasn't addressed by Mr. Zayed, but that, that, that's an area that has some confusion in the 11th Circuit, and I just want to make sure that's shored up correctly, if that's all right. Um, it, it, it's, um, there's nothing special about the innocent intent defense. Um, it, it's a trial tactic. It's, it's an argument that the government didn't meet its burden. It doesn't require notice to uh, the government. It doesn't have any effect on the elements of the offense. It's, it's like some other did, did it defense where it's a, you get a theory of defense instruction, but the instruction cannot be inconsistent with the elements. Uh, the label innocent intent is one that I, I think the court uh, should, should use um, with caution. It's, it's misleading. It's a pro-defense label if it's put into a jury instruction. Um, the, the label is, is misleading because it, well, let me, it, it's really an innocent motive defense. An innocent intent defense is like the public authority defense where a party or an undercover officer or a cooperating defendant has actual government authority to deal drugs. They buy drugs, they sell drugs, they join a conspiracy to sell drugs, but their intent to do those things is innocent because they have authority. That's different from what the court and other courts have called the, well, this court and the 11th Circuit have called the innocent intent defense. It's what the Second Circuit calls the negation of intent defense. I, I call it, in this, at least in this case, innocent motive defense. And the motive doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you uh, are selling drugs because you want money, selling drugs because you get drugs for your habit, selling drugs because you love your spouse who's dealing drugs, selling drugs for revenge, selling drugs for vigilantism. You don't have to have the same motive to join a conspiracy just have to have the same you have to intend to join a conspiracy to sell drugs uh and that's true for the substantive count as well you, you doesn't matter what your motive is as long as you're intent you're knowingly selling drugs uh and that's that's an innocent motive defense it's it's not one that entitles the defendant to a complete defense. He's, he, he, his argument that I'm a vigilante, I, I, that's good enough, is not good enough. That's a jury nullification defense. Mr. Zay had brought out from the his own client on cross the fact that he was, in fact, dealing drugs and doing it over a long period of time. As, as to uh, the arguments raised, I want to address first one point uh, it may have been handled by Mr. Zayed about the bathroom. There, there was no evidence of any significance found in the bathroom. 
that, that, that it was separate from the back bedroom. Um, the, but there was plenty of probable cause if you even get to it. I, I like if the court rules on waiver or in, in, uh, independent source doctrine. Which, because which bathroom now? I, I've heard we've heard about two bathrooms this morning. You just said the bathroom. No, I don't think there. I think Mr. Zayed and I are saying the same thing. There's only one bathroom. Where it's, was the sink? Was the sink? I thought the sink was beyond the bedroom. There were three sinks. There was one in the front room. There was one in the bathroom, and there was one in the back bedroom. And so it's the sink in the back bedroom where drugs were found, not the sink in the bathroom or the sink in the front room. It's confusing. I understand, um, but. The, the, to the extent that the, 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 the probable cause is overwhelming, it's an odd argument to make in my mind, um, both because of the point one of the judges made that for the search warrant, it, it doesn't have to be defendant specific. And I've cited cases in my brief that to that effect, or at least one case, because that's really all you need. It, 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 it happens all the time that you go in on a warrant for what, looking for stuff for one person and you find it incriminates another, and then you can use that evidence. That's not in dis that shouldn't be in dispute. Um, but as to waiver, we can avoid. Well, you, you you say the probable cause was overwhelming, but then you don't st uh, state what it what it is or what supports it. Uh, give us a brief statement of, of what the evidence was supporting uh, probable cause. Certainly, Your Honor. Um, in in Judge Loken hit on something significant, which is the methamphetamine pipe. Mr. Zayed says. Well, that wasn't enough for an arrest. The officer testified to that. The officer was testifying to Minnesota state law, not federal law. Federal law controls, and the methamphetamine pipe by itself would have given probable cause. We argued that in the district court at page 12 of our response. I think it's document number 156. But, but there's so much more. There, there was a, there was a, he completely ignores the stop of the load car. And that evidence is relevant to, to the arrest of Mr. Zayed's client. They, they stop the officer because he's doing well, stops a load car. The driver is, flew in, somebody else drove the load car. They know it's a load car because it smells of gasoline and it's full of driver sheet, dryer sheets. And there's the, the case, come, the thing comes apart for the compartments and there's a receipt for a $20,000 deposit and there's $4,000 cash and there's three badges and two DEA, there's somebody else involved. Somebody else drove the car, somebody else uses the second badge if they have to. They go to the hotel where this person is staying and they find Mr. Zayed's client and his wife. Um, and, and they go into the back, they, they see that they're smoking methamphetamine. They go in the back room and see wrappers for methamphetamine. They, they have a dog hit on the armoire for, for drugs. They have a, a dog hit on the Equinox for drugs. Mr. Zayed just said in his wife, in Baez's wife's purse was the manual for the Equinox and a speeding ticket for driving the Equinox. And the keys were sitting on the couch next to uh, Mr. Zayed's client. The, 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 the dog sniff of the Equinox alone is probable cause uh, to believe that Mr. Zayed client and his client's wife were involved in the drug trafficking. I, I, I can go on, but I just think it's absurd. There, there, there's overwhelming probable cause, Your Honor. Uh, I can't remember if there was another question I wanted wanted to address. 
Yeah, I left out Judge Grunder's point that the defendant said the meth would be in the armoire, obviously. They were smoking methamphetamine. Um, as, as to the point that I, I wanted to just finish on my point about waiver. If the court rules on waiver, I know it's easier to reach the meat of the issue, and it's it's what lawyers do. It's what judges tend to do when they read something. They want to figure it out. But if the court would rule on waiver more often, we would avoid absurd, absurd arguments such as those raised in Mr. In, in Mr. Baez's brief. Unless you have other questions, uh, I'm going to rest on, on my brief for the rest. I don't thank see you, any other questions. Mr. Zaid, your rebuttal? Yes, you thank you, three, Your Honor. I have three minutes and five seconds. Thank you, Your Honor. The load car, the stop of the load car was illegal, the court found. The load <laughs> car was not in Baez's name. Baez was never mentioned in the load car. The, the government had nothing on Baez before opening the door into the hotel room. The dog hit on the armoire happened after Mr. Baez was taken to jail and arrested. The dog hit on the Equinox happened after Mr. Baez was taken away to jail and arrested. The independent source doctrine uh, does not apply here because the search warrant wasn't valid. I'm relying on an invalid search warrant of the safe in the Equinox. That's the only evidence the government has against Mr. So why why does... Counsel, why doesn't our decision in Anguina preclude that argument? The decision in Anguiano, again, in Anguiano, the reason it doesn't is because what the court found in that case, irrespective of the search, in the, the illegal search in the back bedroom behind the panel in the sink there, that the officers would have gone and obtained the search warrant. Anyway, the search warrant, the search warrant they would have obtained only has nothing on Mr. Bias. He was in a front room sitting next to a meth pipe. There was a backpack that had men's clothing no, that had bullets no, in it. No, the question is what would, what would have been uncovered with, with that warrant search? Again, what would have been uncovered is the same thing that I'm arguing. The thing that would have been uncovered was the right. stuff in the safe. The paper and effects that are in that safe were illegally seized by the government. The search warrant does not save that. Now I'm confused. What warrant search was illegal? My argument is that the search warrant allowed the government to search the back bedroom, the entire hotel room, and the Equinox. When they searched the Equinox, in the back of the Equinox, they found a safe. The safe was locked. The safe was locked. At the time they opened the safe, their probable cause for the search warrant had nothing on Mr. Bias. My argument is that they needed something. They could open that safe, surely, and they could use it against Anguiano. There's no issue about that because he has no standing and they had legitimate probable cause to go after him. But to use those papers and effects against Mr. Bias on a search warrant that has no probable cause as to him, that's improper. That's unreasonable. And that violates the explicit language of the Fourth Amendment. That's all, and I think that's all I have, Your Honor. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Mr. Zaya. And uh, thank you also, Mr. Cheever. Court appreciates both counsel's argument to us this morning based on the briefing that you've submitted. We'll take the case in 
uh, under advisement and render decisions promptly as possible. Chief, Chief if I could just make a comment, Mr. Zayed, um, you you caused me about uh, caused me about thirty minutes of time by not citing Anguiano decision in your in your main brief, and I was I was reading these facts and I said I know these facts, but there was uh, there was no way to discover it, and I, so I had to read them all again. I. Uh, and it, it was it was very frustrating. I, my apologies, Your Honor. Well, uh, I understand I understand why you didn't want particularly to go there, but it would have helped in your background I, I, to, point I, out, to point out our prior involvement in this whole episode. I, I my apologies to the court, Your Honor. I certainly did not intend to waste. Oh, your I, time. I, I understand. This is just point of, point of information. We'll do, Your Honor. In previous encounters, the court, you know, would say, I would say something like, Mr. Uh, Judge Loken, as you ruled in this other case, and I got the sense that the court did not want to hear me acknowledge that. Kind of, so I apologize, Your Honor. I'm truly sorry. Thank you, Mr. Zayed. Thank you also, Mr. Cheever. Thank Counsel you, may Honor. be excused.